God, we thank you that you are good and that you are good to us. So pray that you would use these, this time, that you would help us to be better people, that you would help us to experience you more, to know you more, to hear you speaking into our lives. We're listening. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to welcome those of you who are going to be watching this online this week. It's great to have you with us, and just hello to all of you. It's great to be here in this service. I saw a bumper sticker uh, not too long ago that said, where the heck is Easy Street? I don't know if you've seen this bumper sticker kind of going around before. The, the language is actually a little bit more colorful than that, but we're in church, and I think you get the idea. Where the heck is Easy Street? You ever find yourself asking some version of that question? Like wishing that there was more, something better for you? The message today is that there is more. There's more life. There's more in our relationships, more in our work, more, in our, more than our crazy schedules, more than the insignificance and boredom that we can sometimes experience. Today, if you hear me say anything... Please hear me say, there is more. Because God has put his spirit in us. And we can live then under his influence and experience his power in every area of our lives. Now, we've been going through this summon, summer, summer, easy for me to say, a summer sermon series uh, on the Acts of the Apostles, and we today read Acts chapter 19, looked at the first 10 verses, where the Apostle Paul shows up in Ephesus. Now, early Christianity was mostly this urban movement. Uh, cities were these hubs of travel, of culture, and of trade. Influencing a major city like Ephesus would mean being able to influence the whole region around Ephesus because people traveling through that city who were exposed to Christianity, they would then share it in the various places where they lived. Places today we know as Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, uh, and Turkey. Those were the places that Paul's ministry was influencing. Now, Christianity, uh, did, uh, sorry, Ephesus, we're talking about Ephesus here, Rich. Ephesus was this seaport, uh, and it was a major trade, trade route. People living in that city tended to be wealthy, well-educated, and were religiously tolerant. Christianity was this countercultural religion because it was about one God, and it taught that there was only one true God. So Christians were often viewed as narrow-minded and intellectually inferior. So sort of putting all that together, Ephesus is this place filled with successful, educated people where business reigns supreme, where success is measured, measured by uh, the port, your, your financial portfolio, and where people are open to every religion except Christianity, which is considered narrow-minded and intellectually inferior. I'm so glad we've evolved beyond that here on the east side. Anyone else? The first group that Paul meets are these group, this group of disciples. And Paul probably assumes that they're Christians, but as he talks with them, he figures out some, something's not quite right here. Something's missing. And so he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered him, no, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. 
And one of the trademarks of the book of Acts is that there is a whole lot of Holy Spirit going on in this book. Like, in fact, in the very first chapter, four verses in, Jesus tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Then the very next verse, he tells them that John baptized with water, but they're about to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then three verses later, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 2 is a passage that's very familiar to many of us. It's where the disciples are all gathered together in this house, and suddenly the place fills with this sound of a rushing wind, and the disciples are all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything after that in the book of Acts is about Holy Spirit-inspired sermons, about Holy Spirit-compelled conversions, about Holy Spirit-led healings. The Holy Spirit finds this group of timid and fearful disciples and suddenly transforms them into bold leaders. The Holy Spirit takes these men who fished for a living and makes them into courageous preachers and teachers. The Holy Spirit takes people who live on practically nothing and then he forms them together in this community that shares everything with one another. The book of Acts is all about the Holy Spirit that makes all of that possible. If you could say this, no Holy Spirit, no book of Acts, no early Christian movement, no church. The Holy Spirit is that important. Now, there's lots of confusion around the Holy Spirit, and some of that is because many of us have been in churches in the past where they, there wasn't a lot taught or spoken about around the Holy Spirit. And some of us have been in churches where the Holy Spirit was just kind of overemphasized, and it seemed kind of weird and strange and did these crazy things. So I want to talk a little bit about some basic things around the Holy Spirit. And the first thing is this. Uh, the first thing that's important to know is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is personal. It's not a thing. It's not an it. It's not something that comes and goes. It is a person, which means that it's relational, it, uh, and we can have relationship with it. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force or some mystical power out there somewhere. Some of us have heard him referred to as the Holy Ghost. And in its worst usage, that, that sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? And something that ought to be on the haunted mansion, right, at Disneyland, like the Holy Ghost, you know? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is relational, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit intercedes to our Father in heaven for us. The Holy Spirit guides us through life. The Holy Spirit warns us when, we're, when something bad is going to happen or when we're doing stuff that's bad for us. And the Holy Spirit comforts us when we hurt. The Holy Spirit, it turns out, can be lied to, it can be insulted, it can be grieved. And the point of all that is that these are the emotions and the characteristics of a person with all the attributes of a personality that we can relate to. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, the second thing that's important to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit isn't just any old person. The Holy Spirit is a third person of the Trinity of God. We say God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each of those has a role. The Holy Spirit is the life and the presence and the power of God. God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can live under his influence and experience his power in every area of our lives. So for Paul and those early Christians, the Holy Spirit was real, and the Holy Spirit was really important to their Christian life. 
They experienced him, lived under his influence, did bold, courageous things because of him. They used words like baptize in the Holy Spirit to express sort of what their experience was like of him. It was like their experience was like jumping in, you know, getting soaked, being fully immersed in this thing. And that spirit gave them more courage, more hope, more peace, more power, and more joy than they had ever experienced in their entire lives, even when life got tough. A friend of mine had a pre-operation appointment with uh, his doctor, and the doctor, who was the best at this particular procedure in the country, uh, told my friend that he would be the one performing the surgery, but uh, actually may not be there for the follow-up. The doctor explained that he had learned recently that he had these tumors in his forearm, that he needed surgery immediately. Uh, the surgery could cause him to lose uh, use of his fingers, and so there was a very real possibility that he might not ever be able to operate again. Well, it kind of blew my friend away, and my friend asked him how he felt, this doctor, about performing the operation, having just found out about his own condition. And the, the doctor said this, he said, it's not even a concern for me. God already knows what's going to happen, and I don't want my plan to be different than his plan. So if God's plan includes me not being a surgeon, then so be it. And then he went on to quote Romans 5, uh, verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Well, they finished their time together in prayer and my friend walked away from that just being totally challenged in his faith and in his attitude about his own uh, operation. You see, this doctor instead of being devastated by this news of cancer and by the very real possibility that he'd never be able to operate again, this doctor was rejoicing in his suffering. He was trusting in God's plan for his life. He courageously shared Jesus with uh, my friend, and then he, they prayed together. That sounds like a guy under the influence of the Holy Spirit, don't you think? Like he had more courage, more hope, more peace, more joy, which is crazy if you think about it. And that is always a sign that the Holy Spirit is working in some way. Now, every one of us who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have received the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's been a while since you felt the Spirit's presence. Maybe it's been a while since you heard him speak to you. Maybe you've never even experienced that before. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't in you. Because every one of us who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior have received the Holy Spirit. So the question for us this morning isn't, how do I get more of the Holy Spirit? Because we already have as much as we're going to get. The real question is, how can the Holy Spirit get more of me? So this morning, I just want to talk briefly about three ways for that to happen. And the first is this, to learn to recognize him. I think often, Holy Spirit's working, we're not even aware of it. And so the first point is all about really learning to recognize Him, recognize Him working in us, recognize Him working around us. Because one of the things we completely underestimate is how much God wants to be in relationship with you and with me, how much He desires to express His love for us, how committed He is to helping us discover our potential 
in this world, in this life, how much he wants to fill us with his love, with his peace, with his power, with his joy. That's why he sends us the Holy Spirit to, to be in us. Now, every believer will experience the Holy Spirit in some way. It's just that we don't experience it in the same way. We experience it differently. Like some of us experience Holy Spirit as this warmth that comes over us. Some of us experience Holy Spirit as these goosebumps that suddenly show up. Some of us experience the Holy Spirit as a voice that sounds like our voice, but really isn't our voice. Others of us experience Holy Spirit as a sudden rush of joy or love or courage. You know, it just sort of fills us in that moment. And sometimes, uh, a couple of times, I felt the Holy Spirit sort of gently nudging me into a situation that I was hesitant to, hesitant to enter. Probably shouldn't share this with you as a pastor, right? Like, the, you know, but there he's pushing. I'm like, no, no, but he's pushing me forward. But I was glad after I got involved that, uh, that he did that for me. Now, people who are uh, trained to recognize counterfeit money, they don't study counterfeit money. Did you know that? Like, you probably didn't sit around thinking about this, so I'll just share this with you this morning. There's a lot of ways to make fake money. But instead of trying to learn all that, they study what good money looks like. They care carefully examine its color, its features, its texture, uh, everything that makes it the right currency. And then when that happens then they are able to automatically recognize good money when they see it. Now, the same is true about learning to recognize the Holy Spirit at work in us. Spending time with the Holy Spirit, spending time looking for the Holy Spirit, it helps us to become more familiar with the Holy Spirit and its ways. So listen for his voice. Talk with him. Wait for his leading. There are some experiences that we have that help us experience the Holy Spirit more. Maybe for you that's like reading the Bible or listening to a sermon or singing in worship or serving in some way. Maybe you recognize the Holy Spirit when you're with other people, a group, a community, and doing some of these things together. But learning to recognize the Holy Spirit in those times, and then uh, because those are the times when, when we're most apt to experience Him, when we're most familiar with Him, that helps us experience and recognize the Holy Spirit in other times, like when we're just at home or in the office or when we're in a restaurant or when we're at the grocery store. Holy Spirit may be uh, you know, asking you to do something, like serve lunch or dinner to some homeless person that you just walked by, or there may be something else Holy Spirit is asking you to do. Holy Spirit may be pointing out somebody for you to pray for, or uh, to, to spend time talking with, or maybe there's someone that he wants you to apologize to something about. The point is, learning to recognize the Holy Spirit is the first way for us to experience more of him. The second way is to hunger for more of him. Now, there's this thing that happens about 5 or 6 o'clock most every night in my house. I don't know if this happens in yours, but around that time, the chip bag comes out, the salsa lid comes off, the cheese is unwrapped, uh, and about uh, even when there isn't much in the cupboard, we always manage to find something to spread, pop, microwave, or shove in our mouth because it is snack time. Any snackers out there? Oh, come on, a few of us. Well, it's sort of this weird thing happens from time to time, right? Because the problem is that we can eat too much, and that kind of messes up dinner a little bit. 
Uh, I find that when that happens, I, I'm just all filled up with snacks. The same can be true in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can fill up on things which sort of ruin our appetite for more of Him. Some of those things are obvious, like being deceptive or um, being dishonest or addictions. Those kill our appetite for the Holy Spirit. Some of the things are less obvious, like being overly committed or having our priorities in the wrong place or being sort of controlled by worry. All those things slowly edge the Holy Spirit out of our lives, ruin our uh, appetite for Him, and our hunger is gone. Getting rid, of the Holy, uh, get a, getting rid of anything and everything that stands in the way of the Holy Spirit is one way that helps us hunger for Him. The other way is to increase our appetite for Him is to get more involved in those things where we experience Him, those things that I talked about earlier, times when you've experienced or recognized His presence, whether that's worship or prayer or uh, reading the Bible. Maybe it means going on a retreat or at a conference. Be creative. Because the more we recognize and the more we experience Holy Spirit, the more we hunger for Him. And then we just want more and more and more. So learn to recognize Him. And second, uh, hunger for more of Him. The third way to experience more of the Holy Spirit is to give away what you have. Now, a friend of mine once described him as a sponge, which is a rather unfortunate way to describe yourself, don't you think? Like, Especially as a lead, like, hi, I'm a wet sponge. Uh, I, you know. But uh, it's a good metaphor for what I want to talk about, so just kind of go with me a little bit in this. He says that he soaks up Jesus' life and presence, and then he squeezes that out for others. Then he soaks up Jesus' life and presence, and then he squeezes that out for others. You can't soak up more until you've squeezed out what you have. That's one of the reasons that we can feel spiritually stuck or on a plateau. We have soaked up about all we can, but we're not involved in anything that's squeezing out and giving away what we have. One of the devil's biggest lies is that you don't have anything to give. That's so not true. No matter how old you are, no matter what stage in life you are in, Holy Spirit of God is living in you. He has gifted you, and you have access to all his power and all of his creativity. God does some of his best work when we give away what we have. One of the things that I consistently hear from time to time, uh, consistently hear from people really is uh, when they go and they're involved in uh, service opportunities where they're squeezing themselves out for others, they're continually saying, man, I got so much more out of that than I gave. You ever heard anybody say that? See, God fills us up when we squeeze ourselves out and give ourselves, give what we have away to others. Learn to recognize the Holy Spirit, hunger for more of Him, and then give away what you have. I was recently talking with a couple who are in the middle stages, final stages of adoption. They started talking about adoption when they were first married, but then they had a couple of kids and life got really busy, so they just sort of put it on the shelf. But then she started to hear God inviting them to adopt, and like God was saying, you better do that now. So adoption still didn't make any sense for them. They were both working, they had busy lives, their kids were happy, you know, life had gotten kind of a nice rhythm going to it. But she kept feeling God nudging her to adopt. So they started praying about it together, and you know what happened? 
The more, I don't know if this ever happened to you, the more you pray about something, and if it's God's leading, the more excited you get about it. And that's what started to happen for them. So, um, but she would need to quit her job so that she could stay at home with all those kids, and they would have to sell their home and get a bigger home. They couldn't afford to do either of those things. Then she heard Holy Spirit, God speaking through her, saying, uh, you're going to have to move. Well, they talked about that. He decided to put in for a promotion, a transfer in his job, said he'd be willing to move uh, and relocate in order to do that. And within a few months, they'd offered him a new job, it, but it was in an area of the country that they really, really, really didn't want to live in. Holy Spirit, though, just kept encouraging them. It was like they decided and they just felt like they needed to go for it. So they sold their home. And then they found out that they were able to buy a bigger home in this other place of the country because housing was so much cheaper there. And then, because uh, cost of living was so much uh, more affordable, she was able to quit her job so she could stay at home with the kids and they could live off one salary, his salary. Well, their story kept, keeps getting better because within a few weeks after moving, they found a brand new church that was really, really exciting to them. They enjoy, uh, involved, uh, signed up for this Bible study that was right there in their neighborhood, like they, within walking distance with people that they really enjoyed being with. Their kids have found these really good friends and have gotten involved in all these activities that they couldn't get involved in here in Seattle. And now they're waiting for the final, process, uh, final steps in the adoption process. It just keeps getting better and better for them. Better for her, better for him, better for the kids, better for their relationship. See, recognizing the Holy Spirit was leading them, they heard him say that they should adopt. Hung, uh, hungering for more of him uh, and just hungering for more in life, they gave up their jobs, they sold their home, moved to a different place of the country. And the whole journey began when they were willing to give away what they have so that they could love and bless some adopted kids. They have more joy, more adventure, more for their kids, more faith, more love in their marriage. Holy Spirit isn't some knowledge or some abstract idea that's floating around out there somewhere. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity of God. He fills us so that we can live under His influence and experience His power in every area of our lives. That gives us more in our marriages so that they become filled with passion and where we encourage each other to realize all of our potential in Christ. Gives us more for our work where we find meaning and purpose and where we can impact other people's lives. It gives us more adventure, more participation with God in bringing heaven to earth and restoring our world. There is more, more joy, more courage, more love, more power. So where in your life are you feeling less than you should? And where would you like the Holy Spirit to show up and give you his more? So Jesus, that is our prayer. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us those places that are less. Pray that you would show us how you want to show up, how you want to move in our lives. We invite you, we, we, we open our, our hearts and minds to you. Help us to become more familiar with you, to recognize you, 
to pour out what we have for you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.